0: Amen. Open your Bibles, please, to the book of Job, chapter 35. Earlier this week and a good part of last week... I'd had a verse of Scripture on my mind that just for whatever reason really impressed me, and I got to thinking in close to 50 years of preaching that I'd never heard a message on that particular verse. And the more I thought about it, the more I wanted to, to preach about it. Well, this isn't it. Uh <laughs> You say, well, why did you even mention it then? Well, you know, sometimes, and this is not to minimize the importance of instruction, we need that, and I think every message ought to have some instruction in it. But sometimes we need inspiration more than correction or more than than instruction, we just we just need something that will put some fire in our bones, something that will encourage our heart and when I think about that, you know it's it's hard not to think about job when I think about my hardships and the difficulties that you're going through and Loved ones that I know about, and we look at all of those problems in the light of what happened to Job, and we think, wow, I've really had it easy compared to him. And so this morning, here in Job chapter number 35, I want to begin reading in verse number one, although we'll focus all of our attention on verse 10. Elihu spake moreover and said, Thinkest thou this to be right, that thou saidst, My righteousness is more than God's. For thou saidst, What advantage will it be unto thee? And what profit shall I have if I be cleansed from my sin? I will answer thee, and thy companions with thee. Look under the heavens and see, and behold the clouds, which are higher than thou. If thou sinnest, what doest thou against him? Or if thy transgressions be multiplied, what doest thou unto him? If thou be righteous, what givest thou him? Or what receiveth he of thine hand? Thy wickedness may hurt a man as thou art, and Thy righteousness may profit the Son of Man. By reason of the multitude of oppressions, they make the oppressed to cry, and they cry out by reason of the arm of the mighty. But none saith, Where is God my Maker, who giveth songs in the night? I want you to notice the last part of verse number 10, where Elihu, remember, he is the youngest of Job's friends and the wisest of all of them. The other three friends that had been there in his time of need offered no help but a lot of confusion. Job himself was confused because he was a man who was a good and a righteous man because God tells us so. And yet, in spite of his goodness, the, the bottom just fell out on his life. He just lost everything. Seven sons, three daughters, all gone. His cattle, his business, everything is gone. His health is gone. It, it, it's all gone. And Job is confused about all of this. Why in the world would God allow this to happen to me? And so, although Job made no foolish charges against God, he erred greatly in the fact that he started trying to justify his reasoning that he was undeserving of of such treatment as this. And this young man by the name of Elihu comes on the scene and offers up a ton of good advice, not that he was right about everything, but he was certainly sincere in his heart and wanted to be an encouragement to Job and also to Job's three friends. And notice he says here, speaking of God, who giveth songs in the night. When we think about... The setting of the sun, we think about nighttime. I think most of us can think of some instances where that is a a pleasant and desirable thing. For the worker out in the field all day, he longs for that time of rest. Just to be able to kick back in the recliner and sip on a glass of iced tea and just Rest from his labor. It might be that he's been separated from his family all day long and he's looking forward to that time around the supper table in the just a quiet evening at home. But while it can be looked upon as something that is pleasant for some, it can be just the opposite for others. I'm talking about those whose dreams have become nightmares. I'm talking about those that are troubled by their trials. People such as Job. And these are the kind of people that Elihu is speaking to. Notice in verse number 9, he says they are going through severe oppression. They're suffering and they're struggling. And let me tell you, sooner or later, that will apply to every single one of us. That's why he says in Job 14, one man that's born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. The Bible is very clear about the fact that we can expect to suffer in this world. Being a child of God is not going to exempt us from suffering. And over and over again, the Bible employs the imagery of nighttime to represent difficulties. So when it talks about God giving us songs in the night, it's talking about those difficult, trying times in our life where we're suffering and we're struggling, and Elihu wants them to know that God is able to give us songs during those seasons of our life when it is so very difficult. I don't know about you, but... Whenever you think about someone making a statement like this, it's you know it's kind of like somebody slapping you on your back and telling you look just trust God you know and you're wading through the deep waters of affliction and you're 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 hurting something terribly and nobody understands and somebody says you've just got to trust God you that listen that's good advice but. It's like you almost resent it. And whenever you think about a statement like this, uh, that he's talking about singing during times of suffering, it almost seems like mockery. But yet the Bible in numerous places tells us that it is possible for us to have great joy even in the midst of terrible trials. We know that for one thing because we know that God can use these trials, these difficulties for some good. He's given us that promise. Whenever we think about the children of Israel and over in the book of Acts in chapter number 4 or the book of Amos chapter number 4, you don't need to turn there, but He tells them, I have, I have withheld bread from you. I've caused it not to rain upon you. And he goes on enumerating the trials that they had been through. And God's taking credit for all of this. God says, I did that. God put them in that quandary with the hopes that just maybe they would turn to Him and find what they desperately needed. And so there are times in our life where Although we resent what we're going through and we do not understand it because we think that we deserve better, even during times like that, we can always rest our hopes upon the fact that the Word of God tells us that God can use these bad things for a good reason. And so we are able to sing in the darkest hours of our life. That affects us, but it also affects other people. We're going to get to that later on in the message, but let me just say this isn't it a great joy to be around someone that that has such faith in God that that even when you know they're hurting, they've got a, a sweet Christian attitude. Even when you know they've incurred a great loss, you you can see it in their life that they are full of the joy of the Lord and and you see others look upon you with amazement when they see you behaving in a way such as that the world is a sinful confused corrupt spiritually dark place and it needs a light and Jesus said to his people you are the light of the world and whether or not we're able to influence others for Christ depends greatly upon our attitude and our actions when we're going through times of suffering notice the setting that's pictured here in the night he gives songs in the night doesn't say anything about the daytime. The focus is on the night. The imagery is that of great difficulty, a time of suffering, a time of sorrow. Now, your situation might be different than my situation, but all of us have times of darkness in our life. May I ask, what is your night? Because it's it's nighttime for some people. I'd already made up my mind and that this is the message I was going to preach this morning before I ever received the message about Brother Ralph and the news from the doctors that he has approximately 30 days left to live. And you know that's got to be terribly difficult for the family. There's, it's a night season in their life, and we all have our... Night seasons. What is your night? It might be that it is some loss that you've suffered. One of my favorite sections of Scripture is found in the book of Habakkuk, chapter number three. And I do want you to turn there Habakkuk, chapter number three, and verse number seven, verse 17. And he says, although the fig tree shall not blossom, and neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Now let me tell you, this, this is... This is a picture that every farm boy could relate to. It's something that was very familiar with every Jew living in that day. And this is another way of saying when you're absolutely, totally bankrupt, everything is gone. There's no food in the cupboard. The cattle have all died. The crops are not growing. This is as bad as it can get. They've suffered this great loss of all things, materially speaking. And notice what he says, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. You see, God gave him a song in the night. He had suffered this great loss, and yet, in the nighttime of his life, he said, I will rejoice in the Lord. So your nighttime might be a time of loss that you have suffered. It it might be that your nighttime is different than that. It might be that that night for you is poor health. You know, it's really amazing. Whenever you think about, uh, you know, getting older and declining health and, and how it can affect you in so many different ways, it's really, you know, Lisa has migraines all the time associated with her back problems and so forth. It's, it's really hard to be spiritual-minded and joyful and cheerful and what have you if you've got a migraine headache. Anybody else ever discovered to be like that? I mean, there's times that your body is so racked with pain that you, you can't even think straight. And i want to tell you, it's not something that you know that we ought to take lightly whenever we see people that are suffering physically, people that have been you know diagnosed with some some disease. Some of you here this morning, you're taking treatments even right now for some disease and you're struggling, it's difficult, it's not easy. It's a a time of night, a time of darkness in your life. And yet the Bible says He giveth songs in the night. Whether it's a night that pertains to the loss of your goods or the loss of your health, or it might have to do with bereavement, that is the loss of a loved one. You know, it's wonderful whenever we can think about our loved ones that have died in the Lord, and we know they've gone to be with the Lord. That is so wonderful to have that that assurance in our heart. At least I know I'll see them again. At least I know their suffering is over, that they are in the presence of the Lord I don't need to feel sorry for them in any way whatsoever. They've never had it so good as they have it now. But let me tell you something. That still doesn't take away the pain that you experience in suffering the loss of a loved one. That is a chapter of your life that, that, that is gone. It might be a relative, it might it might be a dear friend. You know, sometimes, you know, we experience the loss of a friend and, you know, we think, well, you know, at least they wasn't related. Let me tell you, sometimes we're closer to some of our friends than we are some of our family. That's no small thing. And yet, even in the nighttime of your life, whenever... Whenever God has taken from you that dear loved one, the Bible gives you the promise that He gives songs in the night. For you, it might not be the loss of material things. It might not be the loss of your health. It might not be the loss of your loved one. It might be, well, it just might be loneliness. And you don't have to be 80 or 90 years old and stuck in a nursing home somewhere to experience loneliness. And believe me, there are a lot of lonely people in those places. And it's horrible to think that people have lived all of their life and end up there with nobody to care. But let me tell you, there are a lot of teenagers that are in school. They live in nice homes. They eat good meals every day, they wear nice clothes, and yet they're lonely. They feel shut out, they feel nobody cares, and they're struggling with their loneliness. And I want you to know, regardless of the nature of your loneliness, that you have a God that's able to give you songs in the night It doesn't have to be the death of you. It doesn't have to rob you of your joy. Life can be filled with meaning and joy regardless of how lonely you feel because there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. But it might be that your darkness is, let's say, depression. You haven't suffered the loss of a loved one. You haven't suffered the loss of goods. You haven't suffered the loss of your health. I mean, it seems like everything is going your way. And for some reason that you can't even begin to understand, you're in a state of depression. It's like the psalmist when he said, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? He didn't know why. And there are times that those seasons of depression comes upon people, and you know, you call it Blue Monday or whatever you want to call it. But there, and, and you know, for for some, you know, they experience it more than others. But for some people, it's a real serious problem, and and something that that's quite common in their life to go through a season of depression. A lot of folks. Don't realize that Charles Spurgeon, maybe the most famous preacher since the Apostle Paul, fought depression all of the years of his ministry. It was so severe that the church absolutely allowed him to go on three-month sabbaticals so he could recover from it. The first time I read that, I thought to myself, Oh, that can't be. It, just, it can't be true. I mean, here is a man that the world looks upon, to call him the Prince of Preachers, and and yet he struggle with depression. Are you kidding me? And maybe maybe you're here today, and depression has been a real struggle for you. And I want you to know, God can give songs in the night. Just because you're depressed today doesn't mean that you've got to live that way the rest of your life. It might be that your time of darkness isn't depression. It might be doubt. Just, you know, that attitude of doubt where you... Oh, you know the Bible is true. You could stand up and debate that. You could give facts affirming that. You could give evidence to support that. You know the Bible is true. There's no doubt about that. And you know all of those promises that God has given you are aware of all of those, but, oh, but you doubt whether or not He's going to take care of you. And all of us at some point in time in our life, we struggle with doubt. I can remember whenever we left Missouri, to, uh, I resigned the church there, a church that, uh, that we had started uh, literally in our home and uh, had watched God bless that church. And so it came come time to leave and God was leading us to go to Tennessee and And I kept worrying about, what's going to happen to the church? What's going to happen to the church? You know, it took me a long time to realize the church didn't belong to me. It belonged to the Lord. And in spite of my doubts, God was perfectly capable in taking care of that church. And maybe you're going through one of those dark seasons of doubt over some issue of your life. I just want you to know that God gives songs in the night. Now, notice the subject, possibilities. Notice that he says songs in the night. That's in the plural. Songs in the night. In other words, there can be a number of different songs. The theme of our song can be focused on several different things. In other words... It might be that in the darkness of our night, the difficulty that we're going through, all of a sudden the Spirit of God just gives us a song and floods our heart with joy and we're focused on faith. Don't ever underestimate the power of God's Spirit to encourage you in your time of need. And all of a sudden you find yourself So focused on faith that maybe, maybe like old brother Roloff used to do, just burst out in singing, living by faith in Jesus above, trusting, confiding in His great love. Or maybe some other song, faith is the victory that overcomes the world. But now you're focused on the subject of faith and you begin to think about the reasons for it, the reasons why we can have faith in God. And you begin to think about the results of it. That whenever we truly trust God, that we tap in to those exceeding great and precious promises of God. And we start thinking about the rewards of our faith. And... All of a sudden, the the darkness that had come over us, the pain that had inflicted us and the problems that we've encountered, all of a sudden, we're not even thinking about that anymore because our focus is on faith. But it might be that our focus now is on the subject of peace. As Paul spoke about it, remember, in Philippians chapter 4, when he said, Be careful for nothing, that is to say, Don't worry about anything. Just imagine if you came to me this morning and you said, Brother Son, I want to talk to you a minute. I I want to just give you a list of all my ten biggest problems, the most serious problems that I'm facing right now, and here they are, and you just started pouring out your heart. And if I just looked at you and I said, don't worry about it, probably somebody would want to punch me in the nose. Look, this is, that's what Paul basically is saying. I mean, those people in Philippi were going through difficult times and he said, be careful for nothing. Don't worry about anything. And in verse number four he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice! Well, how do we do that? Well, he tells us, He says, if there be any virtue and there be any praise, and he lists several different things, he says, think on these things, and the God of peace shall be with you. He says, the peace of God that passeth all understanding will be with you. Think about that. And I can tell you there have been many times in my life going through a time of difficulty and all of a sudden the Lord would remind me of the peace that I have in the Lord Jesus Christ and my other problems begin to shrink. Or it just might be that in the midst of all of my problems and my complaining and, and all of that, that suddenly the Holy Spirit just begin to remind me of the suffering of my Savior at Calvary. And all of a sudden, I'm just going, in my mind, I'm going step by step. And I think about them making the false accusations against Him. I think about them taking Him from one mockery of a trial to another, beating Him with a cat of nine tails, nailing Him to the cross, And I just began to visualize the suffering and the agony that He went through those six hours on the cross. Let me tell you, the next time you're weighed down with heavy problems and deep sorrow, meditate on the cross for a few minutes and then try to complain. Just try. How in the world can we complain about anything when Jesus did so much for us on the cross. So that might be the subject that gets you going. That might be the subject of your song in the night. Listen, or it might be this. The theme of your song might have to do with heaven. I think that's exactly what Paul was telling us in Second Corinthians chapter number 4 whenever he began to speak about the ministry that he had received of the Lord, and yet he says, you know, I faint not, I don't give up, I keep going. How do you endure when you're going through such great trials as Paul did? How can you keep going when it seems like everything is against you? And he said, for which cause we faint not. But though our outward man, that is our body, perish yet... The inward man is renewed day by day for our light affliction, which is but for the moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding weight and eternal weight of glory. While, now listen, while we look at the things which are seen, we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Do you get what he's saying? Paul is saying the thing that kept him going was to get his focus on heaven. I can remember years ago traveling all over the country preaching revival meetings, and I, I, it just it just wear, wears you down. It puts too much. Well, I I, I say that the the Lord helped Bev through all of that, and. Uh, I certainly never would have put all of those hardships on her had I not believed that that was God's will for my life to go and to be gone from home and preach in those meetings. But I can't tell you the number of times that I've looked forward to just, oh, I can't wait till that last night of the revival meeting where I can either get on the plane or in the car and I can head back home. I can go back and I can be with my family. I can sit down at the supper table with my family. I can eat a good home-cooked meal. I can be with the ones that I love. I can sleep in my own bed tonight. And that just has a way of helping you not complain about where you are when you know it's going to get better. And I'm telling you, folks, regardless of what you're going through in your life, the best is yet to come If heaven's your home, listen, one of these days, one of these days, all of these former things are going to pass away. He giveth songs in the night, and sometimes the theme is heaven. Now, notice the source that's proclaimed. He says, God, my maker, notice who giveth. Boy, you could add a lot of things to that. God, my maker who giveth. That's a sermon in, in itself because God is a giving God because He's a loving God. But notice, it's God who gives songs in the night this is something that that's unnatural. It's something that is beyond our ability. God gives the song in the night. You can't create it. You can't psych yourself up like the football players before a football game, banging your head on the locker, trying to psych yourself up to get out there and kill them and go get them and win for the team and all. It doesn't work. It's as phony as a $3 bill when you try to come up with a song in the night yourself. It's when God gives you the song in the night. You see, the outward circumstances cannot affect God's sufficiency. Regardless of what the circumstances are, God is able. And regardless of how bad it is, we can rejoice. We can rejoice in God's purposes. He causes all things to work together for good to those who love Him. God has a purpose in everything. We can rejoice in His purpose. We can rejoice in His promise. The Bible says He's given exceeding great and precious promises. We can rejoice in His pardon, the forgiveness of our sins. We can rejoice in His provisions, but my God shall supply all of your need according to His riches in glory. We can rejoice in His power because God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever even ask or think. We can rejoice in God's plan and on and on, but it's it's God that enables us to have a song in the nighttime of our life. now, there's one more thing I want to leave you with, and that has to do with the seriousness of this matter, the seriousness of it. notice he gives us songs in the night, I guess you could call them midnight melodies i I think about this, and I can't, hardly, I can't hardly but think about Paul and Silas. They hadn't done anything wrong. In fact, they did everything right, and as a result of that, they're, they're in the prison. And at midnight, it says that they, they prayed and sang praises to God. And the prisoners heard them. This is the original jailhouse rock because not only did the prisoners hear them, God heard them. God heard them and God began to shake that place and God set them free. And the jailer comes running in there and he falls down in front of Paul and Silas and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? It's kind of like saying, I don't know what you guys got, but that's what I want. Anybody that can sing at midnight, anybody that can be in a position that you're in, I need exactly what you've got. And the jailer and his entire household were saved as a result of that. Listen, let me tell you, we need to have, we ought to have, we can have, should have songs in the night. Regardless of how bad it is, we have a God that's that's greater than that. The psalmist said, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. If you don't have trouble in your life, you will shortly, and you're going to need God's help in that time of darkness. Isn't it wonderful to know that God's mind is forever focused upon His children? That God's eyes are always open, watching over His people? That God's ears are open and He is attentive to their cry? Isn't it wonderful to know that God's feet are swift to run to meet the needs of His children? That God's hands are mighty that can defeat every foe and meet every need in our life. To know that this is the God that is our helper in a time of need. He's the one that gives songs in the night. Now that's the promise But I want you to notice what the problem was. Go back to our text, verse 10. But none saith. Did you get that? God gives songs in the night, but He says, Nobody is saying, Where is God, my Maker? God would and God could meet their needs, but notice they refused to trust Him. Look right across the page or down the page in chapter 36 and verse number 10. Because here we see that they, when they did cry out, it was a cry of remorse, but not a cry of repentance. They were sorry because they were suffering, but not sorry because of their relationship with God and how it had deteriorated notice verse number 10 he openeth also their ear to discipline and commandeth that they return from iniquity notice if they obey and serve him they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures man I wish I wish I had 30 minutes to talk about that think about that to spend your days in prosperity and your years in pleasure. Is that what you want? It says if we obey God, that's the way it will be. But notice verse 12, but if they obey not, they shall perish. God giveth songs in the night. He can, He will, He wants to. But nobody is saying, Where is God, my Maker? Now certainly they acknowledge the fact that God could do that. Notice, but none saith, where is God my Maker who giveth songs in the night? He's, He's right where He's always been. And He is right there at your point of need. Whatever darkness you're going through, He's the light that you need. Whatever difficulty that you've encountered, He is the help that you need in your life. Whatever you do, don't turn away. He says if we obey Him, there will be days of prosperity, there will be years of pleasure. That's what God wants for each and every one of us. You can have a song in the night regardless of how dark the night might be. Let's bow together, Father. We pray you'll forgive us of the times that we murmur and complain about our difficulties in life, the times that we, that we doubt, either, either doubt your ability or doubt your willingness to, to help us. Forgive us of those times that instead of being obedient... Instead of experiencing prosperity and the pleasure that You want us to enjoy as Your children, those times that we stubbornly refuse. But Lord, we need more than forgiveness. We need strength. We need Your help. And I just pray here this morning that You'll speak to hearts and change lives and I pray that each and every one of us might let down those barriers that we've erected in our life that keep us away from the blessings that You have for us. Give someone a song in the darkness of their life right now. Help them to leave here with a bright light for their moment of despair. May they go away with a new hope in their heart. For we ask it in Jesus' name, Amen. While we stand, if God's speaking to your heart here this morning about anything whatsoever, would you come let him have his way? Oh Lord my